Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast. Second time trying to record this intro, having some technical difficulties because I think it's just my uh, computer. I need to, uh, you know, unload some of the shit on there. If you're listening to my first episode of the Daily News Dump, the audio quality may not be 100% there for this reason. I didn't realize what was going on. Just wanted to record it. That was the first take. Wanted to just get it out there and, uh, you know, get some some important news to the people. So uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, this is, of course, the news that is meant to take in while you're shitting, uh, you know, just three to five minute news clips, uh, taking a couple of stories from a conspiratorial mindset, as I'm sure you would tend to appreciate. And uh, yeah, just uh, just something new, something new. Uh, to grow the YouTube and to get some new information out in bite-sized bits. So uh, there it is over on the YouTube. It's just Dangerous World Podcast on YouTube. So check it out. I'd appreciate it, man. Fucking follow me over there. Subscribe if you aren't already. Um, What we're talking about here in this episode are psychological operations, psyops. I talk with my buddy Brody Bruce. He's the one that showed me this stuff. And we go through uh, a military document that is 250 pages or so. Um, talk about the first three phases out of four phases. Now, he is a, I'm sorry, out of seven phases. Um, he is a ex-military dude, uh, a veteran, seen some hairy shit. We talk about that a little bit. And he is very, very into um, conspiracies now, uh, you know, getting out of the military Seeing what he saw, um, you know, he he views the world differently than we would uh, expect, I think, which is really interesting. He's a Patreon subscriber, and him and I have become uh, friends. You know, I've never met the dude, obviously, but he's been on the Patreon for about a month. He shared a ton of great information with me. We've talked multiple times, and uh, we're going to definitely be talking more in the future. Obviously, part two will be coming directly after this with phases four through seven and uh man this is just complicated shit i don't want to do a long intro here um so you know what to do guys if you want to support the show either do it through patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast you get the full version of this episode and many many more um you can also buy merchandise there is two new t-shirt designs that are dropping that have to do with psyops um just a big psyops shirt Kind of looks like a Cyclops. Go check it out over there at DangerousWorldStore.com and also trust the science spelt like PSYOP, okay? Uh, you get the joke. I know you're smart. So, um, yeah, DangerousWorldStore.com for that. And, of course, my hat that I've been rocking, uh, great company. 
Operation Tinfoil. Go to wearetinfoil.com if you want to support a great small American company. Protect your brain with the silver lining on the hat that'll uh, block out 99% of harmful EMF radioactive waves. We're talking Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, 5G, all that crazy shit, man. Really, really cool dude that runs that company, and it's a small company. So, um, you know, this is the kind of stuff that you want to be supporting, um, especially if you want to stay a little healthier. I'm assuming it'll, it's actually going to help your, your uh, you know, thought process in the near future. Um, I have mine, and I love this damn thing. I wear it all the time. Um, Operation Tinfoil, wearetinfoil.com. You'll get $10 off on the hat. Let's roll into this episode, man. I don't want to take too long. Again, part two is coming. If you want to view the diagrams, the entire video episode will be on Patreon shortly. And uh, I'll have a little bit of it on YouTube, too, just some highlights. Uh, Yeah, crazy, crazy shit. The PDF will also be in a link. And uh, yeah, guys, enjoy this stuff. This is the elite's game plan. This is the military game plan. This is the uh, game plan to keep you just stupid and to make you not really fully understand what's going on around you. This is to usher in more and more chaos and confusion, guys. So enjoy this episode. Part two is on the way. Enjoy it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of Dangerous World Podcast, and I'm really honored to have on a dude that I met through my Patreon. He subscribed and started just dropping bombs on me, dude. He started like just lighting me up with all kinds of information. It seems like everything that I talk about, Mr. Brody Bruce here seems to at least know about, and we've really kind of shot the shit a lot on Patreon. You've uh, been in on one of the talk at the taverns, right? I think that was the one that you did. And we just kind of talked, dude. And, and uh, we've been really sharing a lot of information back and forth. And you have some experience in the military. And now you're you're chilling and you're out of that. And you're part of that secret squirrel society, dude. So it's it's interesting to see what you're up to now, man. How are you doing, dude? I'm doing outstanding, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, I'm honored. Like I said, dude, um, you know, you just kind of introduced yourself to me. And it seems like, I mean, dude, we've been talking a lot lately and it's, and it's cool. I love when people just hop on and start sharing shit with me, man. Um, you've been telling me about all kinds of things. But what we're going to talk about today is psychological operations. You shared this really interesting document with me and we're going to go through it. The video is obviously going to be here on YouTube. And then it's going to be in the podcast feed, as all my other episodes are. But this is a 2007 document called Psychological Operations Process, Tactics, Techniques, and Procedures. So we're going to kind of go through this. It's probably going to be a two-parter because it's fucking deep, dude. Like, you know, I started reading this just a couple days ago. And like we were talking about, dude, you can't just read through this one time because you find so much information. It's It's a complicated process, right? Oh, it's, there's so much info and then so much other things branch off. It seems like and tie into it. And yeah, well, and that's what I think we're going to get into here, man. Um, I know I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit of how, you know, your, your past a little bit, because it seems very interesting. You know, you kind of told me a few things and um, I mean, you were in the military. It seems like you have been through it. Right. And, and you've kind of shared some things I don't want to overly share here. Um, But, you know, you've been through it, dude. And, and now you came out on the other side. 
you said that your doctors said that they'd never seen anyone kind of recover the way that you had. Um, first of all, what, like what unit were you in? I was with a unit to start out with. It was, um, a little unit out in Germany called Charlie one, nine, four, which was a field artillery unit that was basically just set up for, to go to Iraq, which I didn't know at the time. I, I was lucky enough. I joined in August of 2001. And so I was in boot camp when or September 11th hit. So all that stuff was news to me. You know what I mean? So then I got shipped overseas and I got stuck with an MLRS battalion, which is a multi-launch rocket systems, they call it. Interesting, dude. So this is, this is under the army, correct? Correct. Correct. Under the army. Okay. And then, um, I mean, so, so what happened, man? I mean, I, I want you to just kind of like talk about whatever you're down to talk about as far as like, you know, significant things that happen. Um, and, and just kind of like, you know, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, no problem. I, and I, I got a, I've been through a lot. So basically I, I was an older guy. I was 25 and I figured, man, my life, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was just working pretty much dead end jobs. Woke up one morning, decided I'm going to join the military. Went down to local recruiter and signed up, said, when can I leave? He said, well, you got to go to take these tests and blah, blah, blah. I signed up. I was gone within a week and I went shipped out to good old Fort Knox, basic training and your AIT school, like everyone else. I got orders to go to Germany, my wife back to Germany a few months later. We were in Germany for about a year. And when I got to the unit, I was all new to me. I was a new private, but there, it was definitely different. There's nothing there. They really didn't have vehicles, no, nothing. So pretty much it was, I went to school and I learned how to speak some German. I had learned how the basic customs around the towns around there, all that great stuff. Why were they were getting equipment? And then fast forward, we got orders to go downrange, no Iraq, which we went in from Kuwait. And then I get, did everything you could possibly probably imagine. Like probably most people that were there with combat units. I did IED sweeps. I did raids i did uh um what else did we do bringing contractors up from the south back up to the north security 72 hour ops qrf all that great stuff which a lot of people i'm sure did over there i was lucky enough where i was always stuck on fobs of column which are forward operating bases which are just little hodunks where not there's nothing i mean nothing it's just a bunch of dudes in a tent to sleep outside so and you were stuck in Sadr City for a little bit too, right? That's like a, a really, it, it, that's a heavy area, right? Yeah. What happened was I was there for a year for my deployment orders. And then we were on the tarmac to come home and we got orders that we were staying. And then mm. we got sent to Sadr City, which was pretty, pretty bad. There was units that we turned over to. They pretty much lost everything. Like we had, we had to, before we could leave, we had to secure all this certain area. And when we had it secured and turned it over, it kind of went south. They changed their different, they had different tactics than we did. They didn't have the same thing. Like one of our roles was if we were attacked by the end, where theirs was, they would shoot, never stop, shoot and run and carry on. So that kind of emboldened the enemy and, they took over the whole city. So basically we got attacked mm. to go through the city house by house everywhere and clean it out. And then we were able to come home. Damn. So you're no, you're no stranger to a gunfight then. 
No, 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 no. I've been in a lot of gunfights, seen a lot of horrible, horrible things. The only thing I can say is when you're in those situations, you see the best of human beings and then you see the total worst of human beings. And that's on both sides. You know, that's their their side and our side. You see men, great men, and you see men who are not so great. Yeah, man, you know, there's one thing that uh, Dakota Meyer, he's a Medal of Honor recipient. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with who he is. He's a really incredible dude, it seems. And he he's got a crazy story where he killed a dude with a rock because he didn't have his gun on him and he had to he had to bash this dude's head in. And he thinks about that guy a lot. You know, he he says that, like, this guy was was no different than me. He was fighting because he was told to go fight. And he like neither one of us can really see what we're fighting for. You know what I mean? We're we're just fighting because we believe in this thing. Doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. Doesn't mean he's right or wrong either. But um, that's kind of like the whole idea, right? I, I I have no experience in this kind of stuff, dude. I've never shot a gun at anyone. I've never been shot at. Knock on wood. I hope that it never happens. But you know the way that the world's starting to get. Who the hell knows, dude? You know what I mean? Um. It's one of my biggest regrets, I will say, is not joining the military. Um, I feel like I could be farther ahead in life if I had. You know what I mean? It seems to really do some good for a lot of people. But at the same time, it seems like it can. It can definitely screw people up if they're not right in the head to start with, I think. Now, I give you a lot of credit, dude, for being so positive and and being just like, it seems like you just fucking love life, dude. And And that's badass, man. There's a lot of people in your position, I think. And I know you know this, but there's a lot of people that would just be like, dude, this sucks, man. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so it's pretty dope and it, it's really cool. And I'm honored to have you on. I'm honored to talk with you. And um, I mean, shit, the PSYOP stuff is really cool. Were you ever side by side with uh, with like PSYOP type shit going on? Did you ever see anything being played out? There was one time when I used to, with my uh, MOS, a lot of times I would get attached to different units. Like I would spend time with... Uh, a unit say out of the green zone. I was a saw gunner and a crew served weapons operator. So I'd be the guy hanging out of the hump top of the Humvee a lot. And if we dismounted and it was foot so patrol security, I had to the saw, which is basically the smaller M60, just a fully automatic rifle just shoots the 5.56 rounds. It's a heavyweight guns. gun too, a saw, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's an it's a good weapon. It, it does it's what it's supposed to do. I think it was the I want to say the Swedes invented it or something. We didn't even make it, so it's kind of kind of different than our stuff. But it's interesting. Is it one of those with like the big box mags, like the huge, like it's got a big capacity? Yeah, it's belt fed, or you can feed uh, magazines into the well of it. Yeah, you can get five hundred round drums. Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, it's like I said. You know, for someone that's never been in this stuff. Was some of it fun? Was like, to be honest, man, was like shooting a gun like that, even though maybe you're doing some harmful shit, you're doing it for a cause. There's got to be an adrenaline rush. Was part of it kind of fun or no? Oh, I mean, you. that's, I think, one of the biggest things that we miss as guys when we get out. Number one, it's your fellow men that you serve with, your brothers. You know, it's like I always tell everyone when asked what it's like, it's really just like a microcosm of society just smashed way smaller. You know what I mean? But it's, it's so it's socialism to the core, you know what I mean? Through and through, (laughs) you don't, you're, you're at their mercy, which is if you're under the right leadership, it'd be great. It could, you could become one of the best people in the world and 
But if you're under the wrong people in the wrong things, it can go the other way too, where when you come out, you aren't feeling so hot about yourself, you know? And I, I kind of have a thing where I try to, it's not possible for me, but I try as much as I can to leave everything that happened over there, negative over there. And I try to bring the good that, that I can out of those crappy situations, you know Mm. what I mean? And I, just try it. The biggest problem that I think vets face with all of us, I think, who knows what the suicide rates number are in our day. I mean, after coronavirus and I'm locking everyone down with vets, I can only imagine, you know, it's, it was probably, it's 20s, probably 20 something a day, 25 a day, say. I mean, and to me, that's ridiculous when supposedly there's people when you get out that are here to help you, but it, it, the numbers are getting worse, not better. So it's, that's something I think people on the outside really need to take a look at. You know, and I think a lot of that stems from having that the thought that, hey, man, this is it. You know, I'm at a low level now. I'll never ascend that guy I was where it's like, hey, man, life is every day. You open your eyes. It's such a gift, man. You got to just go after it every day and do everything that you can possibly do. And I think one of the best things you can do for yourself is to reach out and help others. And then you'll grow as a person, too. And then you kind of pick each other up. And you got to have a good support system, you know? Well, yeah, dude. And I can, I can vouch for you on that, even though I haven't known you very long. I mean, you're, you're trying to help my show, you know what I mean? And and that's, I mean, it's, it's really awesome. You know what I mean? Like it's something that, you know, when you have those kinds of adrenaline rushes and like that dopamine's going because like you're, you're literally behind a fucking gun and it's life or death, literally, you know what I mean? There can't be much more of an adrenaline rush than that. And when you're kind of used to that and then you're done with it, seems like it can definitely be hard. So like when you can get out of doing something like that and then you're not on narcotics and you're not doing all this, this shit that doctors would just like to pump in you. That's, that's a, it's really, it really is a pretty incredible thing. You know what I mean? And so, like I said, dude, I'm honored to, to have you, uh, you know, I consider you a friend, even though I haven't known you too long, dude, you and I have been talking a lot. So um, it's, it's pretty fucking cool, dude. So I appreciate you. Um, oh, well, thanks. I appreciate student man. Thanks for taking the time to have me on here and share, share my truth or whatever truth we come to. It'd be fun. Yeah, dude. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, you'll be back on dude. We've, like I said, you've talked on the talk at the tavern. We've, uh, we've had some fun. So um, I want to get in to the shit here and let's see what we can come up with, man, because this document is really interesting. Now, first of all, I wanted to talk about the different PSYOP, uh, you know, branches, I guess, right. There's a few, you got your cream of the crop, the fourth psychological operations group, airborne unit, right? This is out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And there's a few little groups underneath them too. And if I'm referring to anything incorrectly, dude, like if I'm not using the proper like military terminology, don't be shy to let me know. Um, now, the main thing with these ones is where they're going to be at their station. So you got your fourth psychological operations, right? That consists of you got you that you got Africa. AFRICOM, so that's going to be over Africa. Yukon, that's over Europe. And then CENCOM, which is a whole central thing. So that's all your, that's the huge areas. My favorite one is the media dissemination battalion. That's, <laughs> yeah. the, that's the Mockingbird shit, right? So Yeah, they, they changed the name actually of PSYOPs, I think, too. They don't even call it it anymore. Like if we went to go to join the military, they don't call it PSYOP unit. It's some weird thing like media relations, something else now. It's really? some weird acronym. Yeah, it's not even that, but they still use it in all their their manuals. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, after the fourth, 
um, psychological operations unit, you've got the eighth, right? And this is, uh, I guess, another airborne as well. And you've got some some separate groups under that too. Um, three different groups, um, including this. Uh, what is this? Yeah, first, fifth, and ninth. And then you've got your reserve psyop units too. Um, do you know anything? Is there any kind of updated information on these? Are they more active now? The second psychological operations group and the seventh. Or are they still, as far as you know, reserve units? As far as I know, it's reserve units. But the whole thing is they move around and change all this stuff so much. It's by the time that we would probably even see any of this stuff. It's probably already changed. I don't know how probably a bunch of times. Well, and then a lot of people in the military wouldn't know about this kind of stuff either until like they're they're directly involved. Right. It's kind of like that mosaic theory where everyone just knows their little piece. And the pieces that they know add up to the big picture. So um, it's an interesting thing, dude. But you do see for sure the two main units are out of Fort Bragg. Okay. Now the the uh, reserves are out of California and Ohio, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, o- Ohio and California. Now rolling into this document, dude. Um, before we really get into this, it's a deep, deep thing, dude. Um, like I said, we're going to cover the first three phases in this little segment. I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk a little bit about the history of it, um, just because psychological operations have been around before there was like an official name for it. And really, it started in World War One, right? It, it, like, as far as we know, do you have any other kind of knowledge to the contrary? Well, yeah, in a way, I guess you could say, you know, the famous story of the Trojan horse, in a way that was kind of oh. a and like, hey, we all sailed away. Look, at, we're leaving. And here's a gift for you. Take this in. We're your buddies. And then while you're sleeping we're all coming out killing everybody that was the kind and you, you could probably find some other ones throughout history if you thought about it like to me that's one that really stands out for me though is that dude that's actually a really good point i was just i was watching this great documentary on it and and they started with world war one but they did kind of reference that yeah this has been around dude and we, and you know people have been trying to mess with their enemies i mean you, you can go to the art of war and mm-hmm. the idea of not having to beat your enemy outright you can make them lose their will to fight that is an aspect of psychological operations right now you know what's interesting dude there's this dude his name is general mcclure and he was like an og when it comes to this stuff i mean general eisenhower eisenhower made him in charge of psychological operations during world war ii and you just see i mean like hitler even trying to learn from the allies use of psyops during world war one and then you know the germans try to try to try to really kind of tap into this stuff too but they just weren't nearly as good at it uh they did a few things but one thing that i found interesting was that the americans and the allies as a whole realized how much germans appreciate and respect order like if everything's lined up really nicely uh you know that's part of their culture right so they 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 cooked up this really really ingenious way of making the Germans see that, you know, surrendering isn't the worst thing in the world. You know what I mean? We're going to outline this this way that you're going to do it. It's a step-by-step process. General Eisenhower signed it. If you surrender, you're going to be treated better than you are now because they were hungry. They weren't even like eating very well. Um, they pumped out propaganda that German prisoners of war were eating the exact same food that American soldiers were eating. And when you're hearing that and you're a hungry fighter, you're thinking like, shit, man, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, we're going to lose this war anyway. Morale's low. 
And when morale's low, you can really strike with these psychological operations, right? Yeah, that's that's the name of the game. It is is always about morale. And if we can confuse you or keep you keep you at a low point for whatever purpose, you know, like we were discussing before the show, sometimes I, I don't I have a thing and maybe that feeds some kind of dark thing on the other side there. Maybe that's that whole low vibration thing that people talk about. There's definitely I think everything they're doing, I mean, affects they know it too. It affects our physical world and somehow it's affecting the spiritual as well. All this stuff, like, you know what I mean? Like then they know, they know that when they write this doctrine and do this things, I mean, us goofs that are ground pounders and all that, we don't know, but the upper, the upper echelons of these things, they know that it's a two-sided street. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. dude. Well, and that's, what's interesting, man, is you see the ways that they do this kind of stuff. And if you can think for a second that there's not a bunch of planning that goes into this kind of stuff, like whether it's just basic warfare, if it seems like it's chaotic, dude, it was meant to look chaotic. For like, Nothing in war, it seems like, happens without some sort of reason behind that. Now, sure, you've got your little outliers and you've got like, you know, unfortunately, sometimes people get blown up, right? And, and things happen that aren't accounted for, but it seems like a lot of the chaos is contrived, right? Um, there was an interesting thing I heard with, again, going back to World War II, that the British specifically were offering to teach the Germans little phrases that they would need to learn, right? And they sent them these phrases and they, and they you know, kind of did like a crash course on, on uh, speaking English. And they taught them phrases like, help, I'm burning and help, my ship is sinking. They didn't teach them stuff like, you know, surrender. Like they were, they were like legitimately selling these little packages saying like, Hey, here's how you can speak English. And they pumped them full of this, this kind of shit. And this is because they were like throwing oil into the ocean and they, they would light it on fire. So the ocean would be burning. Right. But what they didn't tell them is that they were only able to do this with really small areas. So they like the Germans kind of thought that the ocean was fucking just on fire, dude. Um, it's ingenious. It really is. And then, so again, Hitler starts learning this stuff. They weren't as good at it. The Japanese were much better at it and they were much more like, you know, kind of against, like it was very, very difficult to try and fool the Japanese because they were so loyal to the emperor. They didn't care, man. Surrender was not an option. So what they started doing with the Japanese was they made it, it's not surrender. You're actually benefiting your country and you're benefiting your emperor by laying down your arms. It's not surrender. We're just ending the war. It's, you're not surrendering. At the end of the day, it's absolutely still surrendering. Um, even that didn't work that well, though. So this is why the, the bomb ended up getting dropped. How do you feel about that, dude? Do you think that, that was actually a nuclear bomb that was dropped in Japan? Or what do you think? Yeah, I don't I don't know. So I'll be honest. You know, sometimes it's like you start to wonder when you, even when you're talking about these psychological operations, everything. It's like, who knows what these nuclear weapons and all this other stuff that could be one of the giant biggest psychological operations ever run who who would really know you know i mean and that stuff gets back to the dudes when they're talking about uh hey you might like the atmosphere on fire and they say hey it's okay let's do it anyways it's like these people who are making these decisions are just straight up not normal everyday human thinking people like us they're the way they think is outlandish, man, you know, and it's still that way. It still goes on. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I just saw some shit like, you know, trains are running the next day over there in Japan and all this stuff. And then 
you can you can actually look at how a firebomb would operate and it'd be it'd be or detonate i should say it'd be the same kind of way it could just be a massive massive firebomb so i don't know dude we did an episode on that a long time ago and i it just always kind of stuck with me like do we really drop any nukes over there it doesn't seem like it man so um, yeah the one thing i always wonder about is like chernobyl i mean that's a nuke that's different i get it but the way that that place is talked about and everything it's a crazy and then it's like these how long would it, these people are just living right in there not too long afterwards it's like mm-hmm. something is kind of strange with that you know but going yeah. by what they tell us but it's all it's always their information or like history his his story you know what i mean whatever they want to write they're gonna write it's just disseminated uh, disseminated to us and who knows what mm-hmm. we're getting you know what i mean yeah, dude, always it's a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, and and dude, it's it's just insane too. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there's no there's no telling. We were actually talking about this, I think, last night. Uh, me and a buddy, and we were saying, you know, if Hitler would have won World War II, I mean, he would have been the good guy. You know what I mean? And and the United States, the Allies would have been the scumbags. And and you right. know, you wouldn't be able to having an American flag would have been like having a, a Nazi flag. Um, right and right, and then he was. He, he was the time man of the year and you can kind of look, they were building him up before that. Like he was almost like a savior. You know what I mean? Like they were setting that. You can see that too, how that was kind of set up. You know what I mean? Leading up to all that kind of stuff, how they promoted him. He had the Olympics over there and, and then all of a sudden everything went sideways. It, do, it just doesn't make sense. You know, yeah. I think, I think they promised him a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's definitely more to that story, man. And and we probably will never learn the the real shit to it. But um, you know, back to to World War II and the Japanese, um, them trying to to really kind of do the same kind of psychological operations that the Americans and the Allies were doing, it just never worked. I mean, they were going way too over the top. They were telling uh they were pumping out uh, you know, messages, leaflets, if you will, little pieces of propaganda. They were pumping shit out to the Americans saying that all their wives were cheating on them and that the, the their children were looking up to Japanese and, and Nazis. You know, they, they hated their country. You know, the American soldiers knew that wasn't true. You know what I mean? Now, today, maybe it would be true. You know what I mean? We got some some real betas out there today, um, but they just knew that that wasn't true. And um, you kind of skip forward a little bit to Vietnam. And th- this is the most incredible version of a psychological operation that I've seen um the wandering spirit have you heard of this in vietnam no no tell me so what this is man it's wild so apparently vietnamese they believe that if you're killed on the battlefield and if you're not buried in a family burial ground that your spirit just wanders right and and you'll never you'll never find true peace you'll just kind of be in purgatory but your spirit will be miserable for eternity they got a southern vietnamese one of our friends right they got one of them to stand in an echo chamber and record their voice. And it sounded like a, like a spirit lost in time. They would just say, you know, demonic shit. And they would play this on a speaker, like put it, put a speaker in a bush and play this, this echoey voice. And it would freak the Viet Cong and the Northern Vietnamese out. But it was so effective that they couldn't play this in front of the Southern Viet- Vietnamese too because they actually believe the same thing. So they didn't even really get to use that that much. That's wild, dude. It's a really, really good, because you can't, you can't check this shit out when you're, you know, back in the what sixties, you're not able to really confirm that this kind of shit's going on. You know what I mean? Um, and it, it, that's kind of what's so crucial about these little operations is knowing the culture, 
knowing the the politics and knowing what the struggles are, knowing what these people actually really enjoy. Um, the oh, I forget if it was Desert Storm or Opera, Operation uh, Enduring Freedom. They had a real bad fuck up. One of the most trusted female, uh, you know, news anchors out there in I believe Afghanistan was saying that every American is terrified of the you know Middle East, ranging from Mel Gibson to Bart Simpson. They actually said that. They fucked it up because someone got some bad intel to them, and they thought that Bart Simpson was a celebrity. They didn't realize Bart Simpson was a fucking cartoon character, dude. So those little mistakes make people realize, you know, they don't know shit about us. So, like, you know, we, don't, we can just disregard that message altogether. Um, so it's interesting, dude. It's a fascinating little concept. Yeah, and it's like it works the same way. Like we have most most Americans, they have no idea what the Mideast is really like. You know what I mean? It's like most of those people over there, I, I feel sorry for. I mean, the most of them are, are nice, good-hearted people. They want the same thing that you and I want. You know what I mean? Stable place to call home, education for their kids. And it's like you see some stuff that happened after the war and everything. And it's like some when I left now, that was what, 2005. They still didn't have electricity back then. I mean, mm. so, I mean, it's, it's like we set them back into almost into uh, the dark ages, you know, and it's you feel terrible for the people that are left behind after all these things. And it, that's really who the psychological warfare nowadays really is the one who it affects is your common man and woman, even though it's not supposed to be, was never intended that way. But that's now how it's used on enormous scales. Yeah, dude. And it's, it's horrible. It's, it's sad to, to see that this is actually, I mean, it is an effective method of warfare, um, but it is kind of crazy just to see how, how it's used in the, in the evolution of it. You can't pull some shit like the wandering spirit now today. Right. I mean, even if these people still believe that in Vietnam, they understand that there's technology that can, that can, you know, manipulate these kinds of things. But back then they didn't understand. And that's one thing that I always try and tell anyone is that technology that we have today, the military is at this point, I mean, who knows, maybe they're like 100 years in the future. Back then, they were 20 or 30 years in the future. Um, They're probably farther than that now. And so we're starting to see some insane, I mean, like the rods from the gods, we talked about that a little bit, like in private, you know, this, this tungsten rod that acts like a nuclear warhead, but it's just, you know, no, no fallout or anything like that. There's technology that we can't even comprehend, dude. Um. What do you say we roll into this uh, this document, dude? Cover these first three phases here. Yeah, let's get into it. All right. So there is, like I said, this is deep, dude. This is a really, really difficult read for sure. Now, there's seven phases to any kind of psychological operation. Phase one being planning. And we're going to go through all these in depth. I just want to kind of read through all of them. Um, Again, just covering the first three in this little installment here, but uh, phase one is planning. Phase two is target audience analysis, TAA, they call it. Uh, Phase three is series development. And then we're rolling into phase four, which is product development and design. Phase five being approval. Phase six being uh, production, distribution, and dissemination. And then phase seven, the final phase is evaluation. Uh, this is apparently before it actually rolls out and then you're good to go. Right. Am I understanding that correctly? 
Yep. Yeah. That's the way I understand it too. Yeah. And then there's like your propaganda that you're going to use to reinforce a lot of these, this stuff. Dude, there's different, again, this is a 250 page document that you sent me, dude. You know what I mean? This isn't just some quick thing. And, and it just really kind of pounds home the idea how much planning goes into this, how much, I mean, this isn't just like a, a bunch of uh, crazy assholes putting a plan together and, and letting it see what happens. Everything is calculated here, dude. And they do a good job of, um, of really making things seem chaotic and unplanned, but it just rolls smoothly. Um, there's a little quote from this introduction here. In recent years, the methods employed to influence behaviors have had to take into account the context in which human dynamics and motivations are constantly developing. Military PSYOP must keep abreast of ongoing advances in academic and technological disciplines that are uh, pertinent to the human dimension. Because, man, when you start looking into it, there's so much weird language. And I mean, you could read probably the same paragraph three times and have three different outcomes of what you think it means you know what i mean it's like whoa it's very very deep but you can tell everything they do they they're not nothing is just by coincidence they're they're definitely looking at what their goal objectives are and then they're gonna form their plan on how to get to that goal objective and they're gonna use anything and anyone to their advantage that they can oh yeah it's insane it's fucking crazy um Interrupt me anytime, dude, if you got anything to say, because I'm going to kind of read through what I've got here and uh, just jump in, dude. Don't be shy here. Um, rolling into phase one. OK, as I as I kind of broke down, there are seven phases and each psychological operation soldier, which is what they're called, PSYOP soldiers. Um, they're very, very educated in all of these seven phases. And um, PSYOPs, as far as I know, they became known to the public in 2005. Um, this document is, of course, from 2007. So just two years later, this is one of the first documents, to my knowledge, and the the very first that I've seen um, directly relating to PSYOPs and the PSYOP units. Um, so phase one, planning elements. PSYOP task force, or POTF is how it's referred, referred to in the military here. Um, they work directly with and support a combat co- uh, commander or joint task force and varies in size and structure. The POTF concept allows commanders to tailor their force to meet the specific requirements of complex missions as they emerge to evolve. Um, All right. So so right there, you're going to have when they were saying combat. So basically, right to get go, we got your ones that are going to be kinetic. That's what they're going to call it. That's going to be your tanks, your guns, your your mortars, whatever you could call in. And then you're going to you're going to have your non-kinetic warfare, which is you're going to it's going to fall into your psyops. Well, so usually the commander is going to take those probably I would say they probably got their own separate command structure on what they're going to be doing. They may take hints from the combat guys, but they're going to take cues from them. But really, they're above the combat guys and they may say they report to them. But really, the combat guys are going to be taking their orders from these these guys from the psyop task force. Yeah, that's what that's what I would say. If we're working out and they're with us, they're going to be they're going to be dictating us what we're going to be doing. You know what I mean? Why we're there and what we're doing. They're kind of a different echelon. I've like I said, I've only I've never really even seen them too much. Uh, one of the people I know who was one of them in the Marines, I 
believe it was Adam Kokesh. I think that he was like, a lot of times they'll call the, the units public relations units. Now I'm not saying every one of them is that. I'm not saying that he is for sure, but uh, the public relations units a lot of times will fall under these PSYOP units. They'll have different names like that. Me, maybe media, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, and those are like hearts and minds operations too, right? Those are PSYOPs. Right. And they're all, and a lot of times the PSYOPs, I think is being run on the soldier as well as the people sure. that they're running them on, you know, and they're just not aware of it, of course. Interesting. Okay. Well, shit. I mean, yeah, you make a good point. And then that is only one of the three uh, main categories of squadron, I guess you'd call it, or squads. Um, so you have the, the, the task force and then you have the PSYOP support element, PSE. And these guys work with U.S. ambassadors mostly. Um, and it isn't as hands-on as the uh, Psychological Operation Task Force. And really, it's a more supportive group that works independently as opposed to a task force who works uh, as part of a larger unit. So you're saying that the task force uh, would be in charge of this larger unit if we're kind of following this document here? I would say, I would say that that task force they're going to be at your unit for some reason. Like mm -hmm. I've never come across them really, like I said too many times in the army, could they be maybe some support units? I'm sure there's certain ones that maybe they're not as active or they got their own certain rules. I bet you, even in those type of units, everything is compartmentalized so tight. I would think that the, the command structure is the enlisting structure and command structure really aren't working as a team as much as they probably are supposed to if you, you get my drift it's i don't know i would not like to be in any kind of unit with any kind of uh intelligence or any of that Dude. type of stuff man no thanks it's scary man have you seen fucking uh manchurian candidate yes yes Dude, it's like that where you got this one guy that like the the entire federal government and maybe like these globalists like they care about this one dude but you're part of his unit and then like they don't give a fuck about what happens to you. They just care about this one guy. That's terrifying. Oh, oh, they they tell you. They used to tell me that you're no different than you guys are all no different than the canteens and stuff that you carry. You're just you're just. They would equipment. tell you that. Yeah, yeah, you're just equipment. So fuck. So if something happens to you, dude, we just re replace you with new equipment. Man. That's all. You know, don't but but the truth. That. That's the truth. That's the truth of it all. Well, you sure. Know what I, I mean. mean it's just like the same concept where, you know, like um, it's no comparison, but it's just something that like most most civilians could understand where you're working a shitty job, you know, minimum wage job. You can be replaced so fucking easily at that minimum wage job right now. You're not going out and you're not dying for your country or fighting for your country. You're, you're typing buttons into a cash register, but it's the same concept. You can be replaced. Am I right? Correct. Correct. Like, I mean. That's, that's wow. they tell they they were ingrained in that like in me in basic training they would be telling me that you know what I mean hey you you guys dude they're spending money on you but they're spending money on the guys training behind you too so it would behoove you to do everything you can to be the best you can so you don't die because then that one of those guys would just take your place and it's like that's a grim reality but it's true you know what I mean it's that's the one thing that I I can appreciate about the military is it, it taught me to like. I mean, you have tact, you be respectful, but you're not afraid to be blunt and just, if something's wrong, it's, yeah, it's wrong. So instead of me complaining, let's fix it. That's the one good thing I could say that came from that place. When you hear something like that coming from a superior in the military, does it make you feel like ashamed or does it make you feel like, 
all right, I have a fucking purpose here. For myself, it made me feel like, well, I just got to do what I got to do and get the hell out of here and go get back home. And then that's all that I ever thought about. I mean, when I was in there, it was, hey, I'm going to do my mission, do everything to the best of my ability, try to get all my guys home. And then wow. when I'm when my time comes up, I'm I'm out of here. I want to go. And, you know, and they'll be throwing a lot of money at you. And that's how they get a lot of these guys to stay because when you're in, hey, you get a car and all this other stuff. You're a young guy. But next thing you know, well, hey, you're you're almost up. We'll give you 40 grand. You know, we're in a tax free place. We're in Iraq. We'll give you 60 grand tax free if you stay for two years. And, you know, a lot of guys, it's almost like the apple, I think, in the Garden of Eden. You can't resist it. And guys, yeah, yeah. Or it goes the other end where you get out and then you're hired as a contractor, which I did that for about eight months, almost a year for a nuclear facility. I was a contractor for them teaching their hiring security, their own private security. So I was teaching them tactics and techniques and different things and what, how to set up towers and all these other different things in uh, some of these different nuke plants. It was pretty cool. It was fun. So, so it was a, yeah, I mean, dude, yeah. It sounds incredible. It sounds like just like a once in a lifetime experience. And I mean, and not everyone gets that kind of that same experience, obviously. But yeah, dude, it's uh, fuck, dude. I, I just can't imagine being told that when you're doing something that you feel is very honorable and you're just being told you're, you're cannon fodder. You know what I mean? Like that's. You find that out early on, though. You know what I mean? Sure. You find that you find that out. You know the truth. Like, like you know, young, they get the younger guys. I think that you go to the military recruiter guy and he promises of the world and you get in there and you find out that's not the way it is. Like with me, I had I had no I knew what the military was. I come from a military family. My father served all all of my uncles have all served my grandparents. I mean, so grandparents on both sides. So. We all knew there a lot of them were in the Navy, some were in the Marines, but it's a couple army. But so I knew, I knew what I was getting into. And it's like, hey, I know all this is gonna suck. But for myself, it's gonna help me when I get out and I can go to college and maybe better myself. You know what I mean? But then the war kicked off, like we said. But back to the psychological operations, you could definitely see those. I mean, in just large scale. And everyone needs to remember, I think, when we forget that they, I don't know exactly what year it was that they declared America a battlefield. I don't know if that's when the Patriot Act came out. There was a certain year we could look it up and find out. I mean, if we had to, but Patriot Act declared, came out in 2001, right? Just directly after, after 9 11. I was in, so I really don't really know. And I was in Europe, so it was totally different. I didn't really know much back home. I, you know what I mean? As far as the news and follow all that stuff, when I came home, it was a shock for me, like how much changed in that. TSA, yes, TSA and DHS and all this other stuff was brand new for me. And it was shocking. It's like, wait a minute, man. I thought this is the stuff we're supposed to be fighting against. And here it's here. What happened? You know what I mean? It's and I I still feel that way. It's like, I don't know. It's like I left something happened and I'm back and it's, whoa, this is totally crazy. Yeah, it's definitely weird, man. Well, it, it, the Patriot Act could have came out in 2002 because it was late in the year of 2001. Obviously, September 11th is what started the Patriot Act. But I mean, just for anyone listening, you know, imagine like leaving a country with no TSA, with no DHS, like he's saying, and then coming back. And like when you're flying into the airport, there's all these like personnel that are there to supposedly make sure that you're safe and and like, you know, do these damn searches on you. And and I mean, it's like, dude, you're not the enemy here. You know what I mean? Like the the people 
by a wide margin in the United States, aren't the guys that are trying to fuck things up. And I, I honestly don't think that there's these bad guys out there uh, unless they're tied in with the government. I think that, you know, most people I don't think want to want to do harm, dude. Um, personally, that's just my thing. I know that there are some bad apples out there for sure, but I, I tend to believe most humans are good. Um, I want to get into this last little uh, this third and final of the the psyop uh, planning elements, the, the different categories. We just went over the task force, the support element, and then the uh, PSYOP non-commissioned officer, NCO, provides expertise within staff elements and the unified command uh, command component, core, uh, division, or brigade combat team. So this is the third final. Um, it's kind of it seems like a dude that's kind of in charge, but sort of an outsider. Am I correct on that? Yeah, that's what it seems like. Like I don't, and it's weird too that he would be a non-commissioned like officer. Like to me, that, mm-hmm. that would that'd be weird. You would think that it would be some kind of officer, not not a general enlisted, which is that's kind of strange to me. Well, yeah, and I can even show this interesting little thing here because yeah, so we're going through the first three, um, the only three really, dude. I mean, just look at this, man. There's so much shit in this 250 pages. Um, but yeah, so when we get into phase one, here we are, boom, phase one, um, you've got your PSYOP task force. That's the first one I referred to your PSYOP support element. And then this is the non-commissioned officer, the NCO, right? Um, yeah. dude, it's, it's, it is wild. Cause like you said, yeah, it's kind of interesting that he'd be a non-commissioned officer. Um, but yeah, man, you, you get into it and you just realize that it, it, it seems like it's, intentionally confusing to look through for sure like i guarantee you out of these 250 pages there's probably only 70 maybe only 50 that are relevant the rest of it's probably just garbage you know what i mean and it's on purpose well dude and then you know the images uh, we're gonna get to a part (laughs) we're gonna get to a part where these diagrams are so fucking complex i spent no shit like an hour trying to understand this diagram and i think i came up with a really good way to describe this little diagram i think it's it's like it's like the crazy guy in his garage trying to solve a murder with all the different (laughs) strings of yarn man that's and it's like come on man you know what i mean it's like really who could understand this you know it is and you wonder how many of these psychological operations soldiers as they call them actually read through this you know what i mean you you think that they probably learn through experience not through education exactly and, and i'll be honest most of the people that i've come through in my journey that's what that's what they are man i mean you have your officers they went to college most of your enlisted guys they're guys that were like hey man i don't think college is for me i don't know what the hell to do i don't know i'll just join something all right sounds good to me let's go you know mm-hmm. next thing you know you're in the marines or whatever and then you just stay because that's what you know i think that's how a lot of these guys are in women nowadays interesting interesting We have moving on here. PSYOP programs and plans are submitted to the joint staff for staffing through uh, the under, uh, I'm sorry, through the uh, undersecretary of defense for policy, the USDP. I've never heard of this position. Is there an undersecretary of defense for policy? I guess so. (laughs) Or is it just secretary? Is it just going under the secretary of defense? I mean, you, there's probably so many guys that that we don't even know. I, I mean, I would have no idea. I would think it would be under the first way you say it. I would think. Okay. Under secretary of defense for policy. That sounds right for me, but who is he? 
You know what I mean? Or her. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah. You're being gender neutral here. I like it. Yeah. We got like the way that, that they refer to this, this person here would be USD and then in brackets P. So that would be the undersecretary of defense. And then for policy, that would be the P again, it's fucking confusing, but you see, um, you know, this, this undersecretary of defense for policy as standalone programs or as part of a theater security operation plan or O plan the fuck theaters coming into this shit now you know what i mean like it's like all acting and shit i mean it's just dude where where does the where does the bullshit stop well theater has two meanings right it could mean acting or it could mean my theater of operations it could be my theater operations is the mid-east so i only stay in there when i operate that's it and then someone else's your area operation is your oh, shit. so you're sitting there it could also it mean that it can mean acting, but it can also mean different theaters of operations. Like, uh, wow, dude. So they call, they call like, if you're fighting in Afghanistan, they'll call that the, that your theater. They of can, operations. they could, yes, they could, they could call that their theater. They could, I could say that's my theater operations was whatever, you know, Mosul or it was Kandahar or, or you know what I mean? There's it's something dark there. about that, dude. There's something like exactly. it theater. It's weird. It's very weird. Right. That's what I mean. It seems like they know all this stuff. It affects the, to me, when I you read a lot of it, it's like when you get to the heart of it all, it's yeah, they know it affects your physical people file, but it's like, it has a lot of dual meaning, a lot of dual weird stuff where it doesn't mean that stuff. I, I have no idea, but it's like whoever wrote this stuff, I think knew what that it did have a dual meaning because they used a lot of duality in this. Sure. You know, is that by accident? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, you know, when you're I, writing such a large document. Yeah, dude. We, yeah, again, a 250 page fucking document. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to note that the doc here uh, notes that the PSYOP process was pre-approved and worked picture perfect in Operation Shining Express, which I wasn't familiar with, but it's a it's an example that they cite here in the document. Um, it's in June 2003 where Marines and naval operation—I'm uh, sorry—naval officers uh, launched an amphibious attack uh, to rescue U.S. personnel in Liberia after their second civil war, according to what this doc says. I never um, heard of that either until I read this. I was like, "Why? Well, I never even heard of this before." Shining Express—you hadn't heard of? Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, it's a weird little thing, and and uh, like I said, I believe it was their second civil war. And I didn't even know that they had two civil wars over there. So it's just it's just the shit like, you know, do you ever wonder if these documents are supposed to leak? Like and and the reason that that they come out is because they were supposed to. I always think if if we're holding this document in our hand, it's because they changed the whole thing. So this was it was their old tactics, man. That's how that's how myself I think I'm like, you know, what? now it's cyber. Everything is tied into cyber with the computers and all that stuff. So, yeah, we we operated face to face. Maybe we still will, but we don't need to. It's like now it's more psych warfare. It seems like to myself, in my opinion, that's what I think. That's funny, dude. That's a good point that this could might this maybe is this may be so fucking confusing because like you said, dude. Nothing against anyone fighting in the military. But like you said yourself, none of these kids are really going to college. You know what I mean? They're going out there. A lot of them because they it's either a family history or they don't have many options. And so they're going out there and they, they I mean, I can't imagine an 18 year old kid or even a 20 year old kid going through this and fucking understanding what it says. Oh, exactly, man. And I'll be honest, all those manuals that we get, they'll give them to you. You may read the first few pages of the manuals and you'll they go in your kitchen 
closet, whatever you don't, you know what I mean? No one reads really is going to be reading those manuals. You know what I mean? They're more so for the, uh, the public's eye, I would say, or maybe the officer crew. Cause if you're just a normal everyday Joe, you don't care about half that stuff. You're just going to do what someone tells you to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely dude. Um, you know, they plainly say that the U S government has full authority to approve or shut down psyops, usually under the secretary of defense, um, that policy that that whatever secretary of defense may hold, um, but only if the supported commander is unable to approve a project. So if someone's out of commission for whatever reason, it goes to the secretary of defense. Um, that kind of lets you know that the clandestine operators like this, they really have the more control over these situations. And I think that you were alluding to that earlier, dude, where it's like, you know, these these outside, I mean, this is like how Blackwater and shit got so powerful and got so in with what was going on, right? Um, dude, it's it's crazy. I mean, you're kind of hitting the nails on the head before I even get to these things. Now that I'm reading over them, it's like, yeah, dude, you just fucking said that. Um, there's a seven-step uh, seven process within phase one referring to the military decision-making process. Uh, so you've got, what do we have here? We've got one is the receipt of a mission upon request. Um, the mission, the PSYOP planner must begin gathering information for mission analysis Two, which is the most complex. Um, you get a uh, mission analysis as a whole. Uh, step three is course of action development. Step four course of action analysis. And uh, then five course of action comparison, six COA approval. Uh, and then seven is orders production. I want to get into some of these little uh, little graphs here, dude, because this uh, description of the battlefield effects, this is kind of interesting, dude. So let's roll into this little thing. Um, this little image right here that we're looking at, and if you're just listening, I mean, what it is, it's basically it's an area, right? And you see a couple roads going in, the roads form an X, and you see external information flowing from the outside in. And these little things that look like saw blades or explosions, right? Those are where these PSYOP units are focusing. From what I understand, now correct me if I'm wrong, um, they're blocking information that's coming in and they're altering it or they're making it so that it's, it's the way that it would be effective in their mission. Correct. That's, that's the way I understand it too, that they, they have the control of communication. So they're sending their own message, whatever message that is that, by us cutting their communications, the outside, uh, the people won't be able to touch the outside. They won't be able to call. You know what I mean? That's one of the first things we're going to be doing is hitting your lights and your comms. So, well, so dude, we're guys, seeing that with Russia and Ukraine right now, right? Right. So they're going to be able to decipher their own message because you're only going to be able to tune your radio to my station. So that's, so that's all you're going to hear is my message, you know? So who knows what kind of message you're sending you know, and then myself, my other side of myself looks at it and say, you look at the picture, see where the two meet. What is that? It's a crossroads, you know, and what's mm-hmm. the what what's the significance with a crossroads when you're looking at the the occult or however you want to say, it? you know, that holds a significance yeah. in itself. It's like they could have put that X anywhere. Why there? You know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, it's weird. It, from what I gather here, you see these little points and I see that as cities. Right. And then that star would be the capital. I think that they would make like the diverging paths or the crossroads, as you put it, near the capital city. So like with the with the situation going on with Ukraine and with Russia, the crossroad would be at Ukraine. Right. 
um, or I'm sorry, at uh, Kiev, right in the capital of Ukraine. So, you know, those those two roads, you're getting information pumped into Ukraine. Um, the way I see it, though, dude, it's actually the opposite. I think that that Kiev is pumping information outwards. And again, if this document was was not meant to really be accurate, even though it's a military document, disclosed document, uh, if they, they would just flip shit around right now. Right. Right. If we had control, so if we had control in this country, say we already had control, I would say you would revert. We would just flip it. Just take this diagram and flip it where your head on its head. So now we have control. We'd be the star. And now we're going to be pushing our information out to everyone that we want. And you're going to get it, you know? So it'd be the same. I think it's psychological rate operations are run against the population as well as the citizens. Just depends who's running them. Who's in charge? If they're in charge, they're disseminating their message, whatever it's going to be. Yeah, dude. Well, and then look at look at this little thing up here. And 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 really quick, I mean, the different ways that that you would alter information would be, you know, political information, military or security information, economic information, social information, information as a whole, um, information regarding infrastructure and technology or environmental slash physical. Um this is an interesting little bit right here. Distrust of foreigners and high credibility um, attributed to face-to-face communication by local population groups dictates use of key communicators to convey PSYOP messages to the wider population. It's exactly what we we're talking about, dude. It's just, uh, you know, you can flip that around if you have control or if you're trying to gain control, the information would be altered going in, vice versa, if you already have control. So... Yeah, dude. Um, this dude, this is fucking nuts. Okay. This is where now you're getting into it right here. Yeah. Yeah. This was the stuff, man, that I had to look at for like three fucking hours. Okay. Holistically view the threat. So these are all the different threats that you may have here. Okay. Um, ranging from insurgent cell intelligence, propaganda, will to resist, uh, against government. So you're going to identify all of these critical capabilities, and that's what these are here. These are all critical capabilities, okay? Then you're going to locate the uh, center of gravity, the COG, and you'll see that these are all of your critical capabilities. You've got, you know, a few if you're a listener. Let's say there's, uh, what, 18 circles in, in total? Only uh, six of those are critical capabilities. We're talking in this circumstance here, in this example, intelligence insurgent operations propaganda command and control mobility and logistics are all critical capabilities of this targeted audience now you scroll down you have to find your center of gravity all of those things stem from your insurgent cell and it shows that in this graphic again your logistics mobility intelligence all those things they come from an insurgent cell that's your center of gravity for this so You'll evaluate those threats based on um, example of determining valid center of gravity with does and uses, right? So political and economic strife, do they use it already or are they doing it? And you kind of go through and you figure those out. It's either a yes or a no on all these circumstances. Next, you're finding uh, critical requirements, okay? So all of these different things, right? You're getting your center of gravity, insurgent cell the insurgent operations are now going out to your critical what is it called critical requirements now the critical requirements from the insurgent operations would be populist cooperation 
political and economic strife, external support, communication systems, intellectual government security forces, leadership, and weapons, like IEDs, SAMs, all those things. So again, this is where you would probably want to start watching if you're just listening. This is where it gets real fucking complicated. It's difficult to understand by, by listening. Then it evolves one further step, critical vulnerabilities. So the, the requirements are obviously things that are needed. The vulnerabilities are things that are weak. From the insurgent operations, weak points would be these white dots that are highlighted. Threats and coercion by insurgents, retribution by insurgents, uh, monetary rewards, distrust of foreigners or a coalition. Okay, dude. So you're finding your your main three targets out of all of these things. Those I'm sorry, those four targets, right? The vulnerabilities, and you're stemming that from the center of gravity, this insurgent cell up to this insurgent operations, up to this population, uh, I'm sorry, populous uh, cooperation, and down, down to these four uh, vulnerabilities. And then you'll attack those, those par- parts with psychological operations. Yeah, and if you pay attention to where populous cooperation is in, the, in this diagram, it's mainly, it's your main one, man. So if you don't, if they do not have the, the cooperation of the public, their whole plan is screwed. They're done for. Well, that's what that CR stands for, right? It's a critical requirement. I mean, like, and there's a few other ones, but like you said, um, Bruce, this is, I mean, this is the the most important one. Right. So you can turn that around and think about COVID, the whole thing that happened as far as that, when they were using that against us, if people would have just decided from the beginning, they weren't cooperating it would have been done with. They would have had no chance to run the rest of it. It would have been over with a lot sooner. But if you go along with it, then you're going to get the whole thing. Well, yeah, dude, wouldn't you call the uh, populist cooperation? Another, another term for that would be useful idiots, right? I mean, like that's kind of what those people are. They're just, they're, they're foolishly and sheepishly just kind of going along with everything. So yeah, it's right. And I think too, of like these influence, Influencers, you know what I mean? I'm not a big internet guy, so I really don't know too much about all these influencers, but you read these papers once in a while. You talked about it in one of your shows the other day about these guys are meeting the president in the White House. It's like those guys are playing a huge part of some huge psychological operation that's happening. What it is, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be the Ukraine, but I'd say it's probably more than that, too. It's got to be probably a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt. And this this, uh, next little graph kind of breaks it down even a little better here you see the the bullet points, right? So it looks confusing when you see it the first way, but you see the center of gravity, all these critical capabilities stemming from that center of gravity. Then you take your most important critical capabilities, you make your critical requirements, then you find your most uh, important critical requirement, which you know we just talked about is populist cooperation. You find all the vulnerabilities and you attack the fuck out of those. So... Uh, and and we're we're speaking strictly psychologically here, so it's deep, dude. It's a deep little thing. And then this is just a, a further illustration of how this could be done through face to face confrontations, propaganda actions, radio, TV, and satellite broadcasts or internet broadcasts. And this is just a rough mock up of it, but you can kind of see the key here. I mean, these two things that look like two people are are you know face to face. The W, from what I gathered, it just means web. Um, then you get like this little radio tower. You get this TV tower. And um, I mean, you can see it's widely dispersed and nothing is too focused on any one area. 
it's focusing on the roads and the cables coming in. This is what those dotted lines are, communication cables right next to your roads. So Yeah, they have, they have every point of your entrance and exit. They got it all already yeah. all mapped out. Every way that you could go. So they their information's everywhere. Mhm. And they got control over everything at a certain point. So you can't you can't really go to the contrary. Um at the beginning when I mentioned that this was the most complicated uh, step of the seven seven steps here. I mean, I'm not even touching on uh, tasks four through seventeen. You'd get the idea if you're interested. I'll post the link um, to share. You can go through this 250 page document yourself. But yeah, dude, it, it, it's it's. I, I don't think anyone wants to fucking do that, dude. You know what I mean? Because it's such, dude. To me, this is interesting shit. This is so interesting. But unless you have some reason to like go through this and like talk about it or something, I don't think people are going to do that, dude. And I think they know. Right. That. Unless you have the time, unless you're really interested in something and you want to just take the time to read it a little bit by little bit. I mean, it's just crazy how much time these guys have designated just, I mean, to writing just a whole paper on a do it. But like I said, I already think they've already got a, probably a whole new 500 page manual now about how the new objectives are you know what I mean? no doubt well and and that's what's cool about this dude it's like no one i haven't heard anyone talk about this document so that's what is motivating me personally to look through it because i do have a podcast and i want to talk about this kind of shit but unless you're i think involved in this kind of stuff you're not gonna right this dude you know what i mean so yeah um i'm gonna go through this next form this is the next point um and i believe this is the beginning of phase three Course of action development. Now, this is kind of interesting. You use the Carver system, which again I haven't heard of. This is Carver methodology. Have you heard of this before, dude? No, uh, not until I started reading this. Yeah. So you go through all these different steps, and what Carver is, I'll just switch over here really quick for what the the acronym is. You're going to go through on a scale of one to ten, and you're going to grade. Obviously, one being the weakest, ten being the strongest. The aspects of criticality, accessibility. Uh, recuperability, vulnerability, effect, and recognizability. That's what your carver comes from. So you're going through and you are, uh, you know, kind of grading these things. And when you see the example that they show, you find out where your easier areas are to, to attack. The easiest messages to push are threats and coercion by insurgents and retribution towards populace for coalition cooperation. Um, right. So that's your, that's your thugs, you know, that's your, that's your thug guys pretty much. Yeah. So in this, in this example, it would be that these people feel vulnerable to thugs coming in. And then obviously, uh, you know, the insurgents would be the same shit. Um, a close second, or not really a close second. Right. We're talking 48 to 35 would be populist distrust of foreigners, which I think in, in any war zone, people are probably a little skeptical uh, unless we're talking like woke Americans. Right. Um, right, exa- exactly. It's like you you better be thinking that if you don't see if you know somebody news in your neighborhood of 12 people and he's a white guy that, hey, man, something's probably not right, man. <laughs> well, yeah, dude, I mean, it, it, it's common sense, dude. It's common sense. Right, um, exactly. And, and some other the last two here are insurgent monetary rewards for populist cooperation and um, perception of the government as a puppet regime. Those are the last, uh, dude. I mean, that would be top priority for me. Um, that final one there, right? 
but they, we control them either way. That's how I always think. So it doesn't, it really doesn't matter to us because you're basically our puppet already anyway. So, yeah, dude, it's wild. So uh, rolling, rolling through the rest of this here. Um, after that phase four, I kind of did a run through of all this. Um, your phase four would be course of action, um, action analysis. And they just run, this is just running war games, right? Um, number five, step five would be course of action comparison ensuring that the U.S. efforts won't be hindered or look too aggressive to observers. Observers, um, This used to work a lot better, dude, when, when the propaganda wing of the government, like, you know, Fox, CNN, PBS, all these things, when they lost all credibility, this, this kind of went out the window, right? So it's right. ruining a lot of the aspects of this step five, the course of action comparison. So, yeah, course of action approval um, is step six, and then step seven is your final one. Uh, just orders production. Um, you're going to, we're talking like, you know, media analysis, um, initial assessment criteria, approval process procedures, PSYOP support. It's all uh, just tied in with uh, the orders production. And that kind of wraps up phase one. And now there's fucking six more phases of this shit, dude. Again, we're only going to cover uh, two more. Because this would be a seven-hour-long episode if we were going to talk about this whole thing uh, all at once. But, dude, it's insane, right? The the last example that they share um, before we move into phase two is your your PO, your psychological operation objective, just to kind of break that whole first phase down. First one would be increase uh, increase support for the provisional government. If your objective is to do this. One of your little side uh, support PSYOP operations might be target audience reports insurgent activity to local local authorities. Um, in this example, the support uh, PSYOP objective is uh, directly supportive of the PSYOP objective itself. So, yeah, dude, it's a fucking mouthful, right? Yeah, man. It's like you think, too, how much harder they make everything sound than it really is. You know what I mean? It's like you got to read five, six sentences just to get one good one out out of everything you know it's crazy well do you think that they do that to to make it confusing or do they really want their people to understand what's going on i mean what are your thoughts i think i think everything serves like a dual purpose man i think yeah they do they do make it confusing on purpose and if it's confusing us it's confusing to their own people too but the difference is they're going to have guys to instruct them and say hey on page 10 don't even pay attention to pay to no paragraphs, but your third one. So then they'll give them a reading list, read paragraph three on page five, next page, reach paragraph nine, read paragraph 12 on page, whatever, 13 that don't pay attention to none of the garbage in between where we don't know what's good and what's not. So it's kind of, you're going through it. You got to read the whole thing. You know what I mean? Just yeah. to get the gist of what's even happening. Well, it's not he- something you could skim through. Definitely not. And then, like you know, if you're if you're one of these psyop soldiers and you're not and you're not reading through this whole thing, you're gonna feel ill prepared, right? So you feel pressure to read it. And then, I mean, even I think even after you read through this thing, you're probably still gonna feel pretty ill prepared. I have a basic basic grasp on it after reading through. Shit, what was it at this point? Like a third of it. So I'm like 80 pages in. I'll roll in a phase two here. Um, Phase two is target audience analysis, TAA. So if I ever refer to TA, that means target audience. Um, Target audience is obviously the people that you're targeting to perform the psychological operations on. 
PSYOP soldiers really examine the motivations and consequences of behavior to determine how best to influence the target audience. This is the kind of shit that we were talking about where the Viet, Viet Cong and the Northern Vietnamese and even the Southern Vietnamese were scared when they heard what they thought was a ghost, right? I mean, they, they, the Americans understood their culture and they used it against them. And, and I think that we're seeing that right now today here in the U.S. But um, this was interesting, dude. The, the target audience analysis is the cornerstone of effective psyops. To change a group's behavior which keep that in mind to cheat to change a group's behavior psyop soldiers must understand why the target audience behaves as it does conducting effective target audience analysis is one of the most vital skills that a psyop soldier can cultivate psyop will be ineffectual or even detrimental to uh, mission accomplishment without this critical analysis of the target audience so my example all right, guys, you already know. Head to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. You want to get the rest of this episode. Obviously, the video format in full is over there. Uh, again, on Patreon. Guys, I appreciate everything you do. If you got time to check out the daily news dump on YouTube, it's five minutes long. This first episode, just cool, cool, um, you know, conspiratorial information from a news standpoint. Uh, fun stuff guys so thank you for everything that you do for me i hope that i get a fraction of the stuff back to you guys that you give to me thank you so much see you over there patreon